My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guests today are Robert Stevenson and Lee Chambers. For longtime listeners of the Wonder Dome, you'll know those names well. Lee's been on the Wonder Dome twice now. This is his third return, and this is Robert's second time back. And as you'll hear in the recording, it comes on the heels of the three of us actually meeting in person, along with my amazing colleague Pascal, in London, which was no easy feat. It required, required both Robert and Lee to travel fairly far and make some adjustments to their life and their schedule to show up so we could be together, and it was so worth it. So I knew uh, I had actually already invited them to come back to the Wonder Dome as part of my 100th episode celebratory series. And after that conversation, I knew that was a, that instinct had been spot on. We had so much fun. And I hope that you get a taste of that, that fun, that energy, that fire in this conversation. I sure did. Lee and Robert each bring a distinct essence to this question of who might we become and what are we creating for ourselves, for the world, for each other. And I stick around to the end because it's at the end where hopefully you'll understand why I called this episode the tavern at the beginning of the world. The tavern at the beginning of the world. We play with with metaphor quite beautifully and potently at the end of the conversation with this insight that all of us need places to meet and nourish and sustain ourselves. And all of us also need opportunities to travel and adventure and go forth and discover. And that we don't have to limit ourselves to one or to the other, that we can find ways to have and integrate both. And this conversation really speaks to what becomes possible if we are either willing to smash the metaphorical plate of our current understanding of reality to find something bigger or what happens when someone else smashes it for us against our will <laughs> and uh, what becomes possible when things we once thought were true are actually just a part of a bigger more complex more diverse story <sighs> so let's get settled in and hear what Robert and Lee have for us. Okay. You know, just that moment, Zoom just shouted, recording in progress, and I felt a, a small but delightful wave of joy at the fact that I'm here with the two of you. 
which is not the first time, actually, that the three of us have been together, because just a few weeks ago, I was in London, and both of you moved a lot in your lives to say, we're going to find a way to meet at some place in London to be together in person. And that was one of the most delightful evenings I've had in a long time. So I'm really, really happy to be here in the Wonder Dome with the energy that we uh, tapped into the night of that dinner. I, I have a memory of it, that the conversation was just this stacking of ideas and thoughts. It's like we just kept building. And I remember at one point thinking, are we just going to take off here? <laughs> And we also have to remember that there was a fourth member of the team that evening yes. contributing and bringing incredible value to the conversation mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. My dear colleague, Pascal, yeah. who was sort of delightfully like, yeah, I don't know any of these people, and uh, but I'm going to come along for this ride. And uh, it was a ride. There was a sense of uh, energy building and accumulating and folding back on itself and amplifying and Lee, I'm really appreciating like the move you just made feels so Lee, which is to be really, to really gently and compassionately include the whole picture as best as you're able. And I've been seeing you do that more and more uh, in your work and in your life. And one thing you shared with me at our conversation that in London just a few weeks ago was that uh, our first podcast conversation, which was like episode 30 something, I think like that was, was over a year ago was an er, was one of your f earlier forays into this question of what is it that I'm standing for and how do I talk about that? And how do I hear myself talking about that so that I can understand what it is I'm about better. And I think that's like a theme I want us to play with Today, all of us is this theme of like learning who we are by experimenting with who we are, by enacting things and seeing what it teaches us, by beginning something and letting it lead us. So, Lee, I wonder if you could could speak a bit to that. I'm going to, since you're the youngest dude in the room, I'm going to put you on the spot first, you know, use our seniority to put you on the spot first. And, you know, you... You were in the beginning of something when we first met. And now it feels like, of course, there's a way in which maybe you still feel like you're at the beginning of something. But from where I sit, and I think Robert would agree, you're in something. You're in this stance of speaking really clearly and potently to issues of inclusion, of equity, of um, honoring and acknowledging divergence in all its forms, neurodivergence, identity divergence, cultural divergence, and then weaving that, then doing your best to help people see that these all weave together. And I wonder what that's been like, like for you to, to begin that journey and to deepen into it. Yeah. So like you alluded to Andy, it was very much the start of that journey when we first spoke. Um, and I suppose from my perspective, I had managed to unpack a little parcel within me from a journey of adversity and triumph in equal measure uh, to realise that despite having managed to kind of take some of the adversity and unpack some of the learnings, I felt that there was just a, a big gap within me that I considered 
almost uh, perceptual blindness. Mm. So mm. completely blind to my own blind spots. Um, and <laughs> we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. And actually, I remember coming across a quote just before I came into the Wonder Dawn for the first time. It's actually a quote from John Cleese, who is a, a comedian and actor here in the UK, very famous mm. for Rangers shows. Um, but that quote really kind of stuck with me on that journey. And, and I'm happy to share it. it. It's very simple and quite jovial. Uh, it's not kind of particularly uh, particularly high-flying, and yet it's incredibly powerful. Hmm. And he simply said, everyone has theories. The dangerous people are those who are not aware of their own theories. Hmm. <laughs> and that is the theories on which they operate are largely unconscious. Hmm. Hmm. So... It's mm. so often we think that those who are, you know, the ones who operate without theories, who operate, you know, on a on a very kind of simultaneous, spontaneous level, the dangerous people, the risk takers, when actually the most dangerous people are the ones who have all the ideas, but absolutely no vision of how they have so much blindness to their own perception mm. and perspective. Mm. Um so that meant for me going out into a world where I was looking to be able to empower others, enable conversation, foster collaboration, uh, find ways to help people while also continuing to learn myself. Man, I actually needed to go on that journey to be able to start to find ways to reduce collective blindness in others mm. and mm. foster a level of collective wisdom as a group. And that actually took me on that pathway to actually start to think across the intersections of lesser privilege that some people face. There is there is value and wisdom in there that can be unpacked, but that requires you to be able to foster and create those spaces away from the polarity that we have in the world. And naturally, that meant, that's meant I've been on a journey yeah, and continued. And as you allude to, Andy, Still, always a beginner. Never take the fundamentals for granted. We try and do the, you know, the foundational basics well and consistently show up as ourselves in a state where we are energy to be conducted, but also able to be innovated by other people as well, the people we mm. surround ourselves with. Mm. And, you know, that's what I felt with you in the Wonder Dome, even mm. though we were thousands of miles apart. And then when we all came together, it was, I think, you know, we could have, uh, we could have created enough energy to, to make the restaurant be able to operate without, <laughs> without, any, uh, without any plugging into sockets. They would have had a very cheap day on their, uh, on their energy costs. Yeah. Uh, so there's something in there around, uh, around um, you, you use the phrase collective blindness, but also sort of, individual kind of unawareness and the the inversion your help you're trying to help people make which is the inversion that I'm the inversion I'm hearing you make is to say if you live in a world where everything is pragmatic and linear and quote unquote rational and you don't get in touch with some of these more ineffable energetic ways of moving through life that's actually that feels safe it's actually quite dangerous and quite yeah. risky. 
Yeah, I'd very much agree, Andy. And I think the way that I see it is obviously the situations that we live in are contextual and, and have concepts. Uh, the biggest challenge is that we actually need that diverse thinking mm. because we need we need conceptual depth. We need people to go deep into challenges and be able to unpick the intricacies. We also need conceptual distance. Someone who doesn't go in deep actually steps back to see how those unpicked aspects then impact the interconnecting areas around that. Mm, So mm. we need someone to go deep and we actually need other people to step away Mm. And if we think about that as, you know, someone jumping into a swimming pool to be able to, you know, get to the bottom and explore the areas where many people don't go, but also someone to kind of fly up above the swimming pool and see the wider perspective. Yeah, to sit up in that lifeguard chair that that gives them the life. Exactly. And we live in a world where we need both of those yeah. And yet many people struggle to be able to kind of accept, appreciate and delve in. And at the same time, people struggle to step away. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we need people to be in both of those positions, as well as the people who are very much on the surface, scanning for, you know, future challenges too. Mm. And, you know, we, we need all of those people to come together and be able to shape, you know, a wider perspective for acute solutions to the challenges that we face as a race. Yeah. And I, you know, there's something there, there's a couple of things there that you said that really kind of jump out for me. And one of them is about those positions, recognising that we can share those positions because often what can happen is that we go, oh, I don't I don't want that role. I don't want to get stuck being the, the, the diver or the lifeguard. But actually, we can share. We can go. Right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna lifeguard today. You die. Mm, and, and I mm. think this is what Pascal did for us when we met. He was mm. just a lifeguard. You know, we we were the three of us. We were diving in, and we were deep, and we were swimming. And he was just out there. And every now and again, he'd just kind of pluck one of us out and just go, "Hey, you you you've disappeared." <laughs> there was just something really beautiful about how he just kind of would say these these little words, these phrases that would just then shift us into another way of thinking about the discussion that we were having because we were so deep kind mm, of diving mm. in there. And, and that really talks about that, you know, that, that divergence of thinking and of, of, of people in a space. When you've got that mix, that you can go into so many more places because, you know, the three of us would have just headed down our space that we were going down. But with him there, we were able to shift. And I think it kind of really alludes to or really kind of connects to what you're saying there, uh, Lee, about we need people in those different positions to enable us to get the best out of who we are, what we do and and how we do it. And one of the things that I really see about Lee right now is it feels like Lee's just landed. He's like, ah, I get get where I'm going. I, I don't know where it is. I haven't got there yet, but I get it. And mm. so I'm able just to kind of do it and talk about it. And it's just fueled by it because there is a sense of 
that direction for him. I, mm. I, I love that. Mm. I love seeing that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What is it? What's really exciting for you, Robert, when you see someone who is standing in or walking in there, like this kind of clarity and power and um, purpose that yeah. you're pointing to? So for me, it's like they get who they are. Hmm. So I, I think a lot of the work that I do, I, I was talking to my fitness instructor about it the other day, and he, he was going, so what do you do? And I was going, I do lots of things. But I think the <laughs> thing that I do is help people work out who they are. Hmm. Because hmm. once you get to that bit, then you can you can take over or accomplish whatever it is that you choose because you get who you are and what it means to you. So you get what your drivers are, your values are, your passions are, all of that kind of stuff. But it's a kind of, when I see somebody just in their zone, in their power, in flow, I'm like, ah, they've they've found that a key or a gateway or a doorway to who they are and they can just move into that. Mm. And it means that we can have our off days or moments or life challenges but then we can just kind of go, ah, oh, I know I know who I am. And I can just kind of lean back into that or I can just find that portal again and then I'm, I'm off. Mm. And, and there's also something, I don't know, it, heroic and humble about that because when people are in that place, they are kind of, they're standing up for what they believe but without ego. Mm. Mm. So that, mm. And they're, you know, they they you know they run great businesses and they they acquire wealth whatever we describe wealth as but without ego or okay i need to make the money they're just like this is what i stand for this is what i do and the rest will come and they're mm. they're really in that place and comfortable with that place mm. 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 i love that um sort of it can feel like a paradox or feel like opposites, like kind of like that sort of heroism, that strength, that confidence, and also that humility. But, but you see that in people who are walking their path or living Mm. their truth or willing to give their lives over in service of something greater than survival or reputation or uh, sort of, narrow belonging right there's something bigger that they have access to yeah and it's a little bit like what lee said you know when we were in conversation in that restaurant the restaurant could have just plugged into us <laughs> and i feel like people that it's like they plug into something and it's like they, it's like they've, they've found their connection or their connectors they've worked out how to plug into whatever that thing is and then they're just off mm. Mm. yeah it's Andy I think it's kind of pertinent to say that we do live in a society where we are conditioned not to find our plug but to try and shape our plug to fit society's conformist you know standard plug um Mm. and it's empowering (laughs) (laughs) to see other people deciding that actually I'm going to set off on that journey on that quest not to shape my plug for the plug that is here, but to actually find where my collective power source can come from. And on that journey, you will find people with very similar plugs to yourself, 
and you will see how they plug into the world. And I think in a societal perspective, there are a lot of structures that stop people doing that from a very early age. But there's also comically a self-help industry, which is very much focused on, no, let me tell you how to shape your plug. Yeah, yeah, here's (laughs) the Actually, the blueprint for our plug is within us. We are born with it. And to access it, you know, sometimes requires a journey, adversity, shaping of a few keys. Um, But when we see people go on that journey and see them embracing themselves, learning themselves, developing and unlocking those aspects, because, you know, ultimately there, there is so much within us that I think as we grow, we don't always have the keys. Yeah, mm. we have the ability to forge those. We are all blacksmiths. Mm. You know, I'm in touch with, uh, I'm glad you presenced this sort of larger field that many of us live in, the kind of dominant cultural and economic context we live in that are implicitly and explicitly saying, if you want to survive, you got to do these things. And you you know, as I say that out loud, there's a way in which that is, there's a truth in that. We've built the world for ourselves where if people want to survive, they've got to do these things. So we want I want to like be careful not to denigrate someone who is working hard within the world they've been b- born into, take care of themselves and their family and their livelihood. Mm. And implicit in that message, do this to survive, is another message there is no other way to survive or thrive than this way. And what you are both speaking to is this moment where we see someone who realizes that that's just not true. That actually the society we've built on a cosmic scale is like a just a blink of an eye. And mm. our ancestors have been quote unquote, plugging into life, to the earth, to reality, to their energy for also a relatively small blink of time, but but evolutionarily, like much longer than what we call reality has been around. Like we can plug in, we're, we're, we're built for it. This is w- what we're here for. And, I, and I, it strikes me that one of the biggest cons- sort of sources of blindness, to use your phrase earlier, Lee, is that we receive the message, do this to survive, and and that gets converted in the only way to survive is by doing this. Mm. And as a result, people are really afraid and or maybe not even knowing that they can look somewhere else if you sort of say, hey, check this out over here. That can bring up a lot of resistance, fear, doubt, skepticism. And, and I wonder, I'd love to hear you like, yes, it would be wonderful if we could wave this wand and change the shape of our society. My sense is the way that we do that is to help more and more people plug in in their own true way. That's at least one lever we pull. So how do you all work with that as you're trying to move the needle on an individual or an organization who might be caught inside the single story of this is the way we do it? What are, how do you work with that? What's your intuition or instincts or, or moves that you make to help individuals and groups start to open up to new possibility? I think on an individual level, because I, I think I think Lee and I work slightly differently in terms of 
who we work with. So I work, yeah. I think, more individuals, and I think Lee works more in organisations. So maybe that's a way nice. we can, we can, yeah. we can come at this. And one of the things that I recognise as an individual working is that I kind of remind them that I'm doing it differently. So I kind of go, but okay, you're saying you can only do this, but look, I'm doing this, and let's let's see if we can find some others we're doing mm. differently. Okay, so if they're all doing it differently and there's only this, what does that mean? And you know, sometimes we 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 get caught up in privilege. Uh, or it's okay for, um, or they haven't had my background. And then we need to research deeper to go, well, who has had our background and is doing it differently? Hmm. And what was the journey that they went on that we can draw uh, inspiration from to try and do things uh, differently? And I think the other piece to it is, you know, you can't push them. You have to let them see. And, you know, I've worked with individuals that have gone, I want to do something differently. Come help me do that differently. And I've gone, so, you know, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? Where do you want to go? And they go, no, I don't want to do it differently. I want to look like I'm doing it differently or I want to show show the world that I'm trying to do it differently. But actually, I just want to do the same thing, hmm. but look like hmm. I'm working and doing it differently. And, and, you know, that can be frustrating for me as a practitioner And then I have to ask other questions around, so what is that? What's going on for you? But I think it's the short answer is letting them see that difference exists in the world Mm. and that Mm. different exists that's similar enough to them for them to recognize it. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. So there's a bit of a like gentle but persistent exposure to alternative stories and possibilities mm. that are real and helping them exper- see and experience that is just, that's the work. You can't force yeah. them in it. You can't tell them to do it. You just have to sort of yeah. look through here. What do you see? Yeah. And also doing it in a, in, in a time span, you know, cause people, people go, Oh, you know, so-and-so they just, you know, they did this and all of a sudden they made it and they've been doing it. And, and, and I go, I just don't believe that. It's just not, it's never true. Never. You know, the, the truth is there is work. And sometimes it comes easy, the work, and we, and we find our way just like naturally almost we're in flow. And sometimes it's a little bit harder and sometimes it feels like we're not going to make it. And sometimes we don't make it. And that's part of the, of the journey and, and the quest. Um, but this idea, and you know, as, as Lee's spoken about, you know, we're in a society that says it, it happens now. You know, pick up your phone, mm. dial into it, it mm. it's sorted. Mm. And actually, finding your your plug or shaping, forging your key takes time, takes energy, takes effort. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What are you in touch with, Lee? As you hear Robert or hear my original question about how to help people meet the resistance or see where they've been blind how are you holding that yeah and i think so often ultimately it's about taking people back to those very considerations around survival because Mm. it wasn't Mm. that long ago and you know it was very much a dot on our journey as a species that we were prey we decided to go out on a lovely evening stroll be eaten alive (laughs) and these particular you know really effective talons that we have are ultimately useless 
in a way to defend ourselves. So our very survival was based on being astute and aware of threats in our environment Mm. and coming together collaboratively to be able to hunt things and survive, to be able to come up with solutions. And we don't need to go that far back in our human existence to actually realise that, you know, what survival was on a daily basis. And, you know, we've managed to form this very, what we consider intelligent part of our brain, where we've then considered ourselves the most intelligent species on the planet, which I would happily challenge, probably incorrect. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, when people start to embrace the idea of survival, it's helping them understand that we do have mechanisms designed to push us towards survivalistic tendencies, Mm. because it wasn't that long ago that we had to survive threats to our life every single day. Yeah. Now we've managed to create a world where there is relative comfort, especially in some parts of the world, but massive relative challenge in other parts. Mm. And Mm. on that kind of ability to define a target, we as human beings, we're teleological. We actually need some form of target that gives us a purpose, that gives us meaning. And for the best part of millions of years, that was survival. And now that isn't necessarily our ultimate defined target Mm. because Mm. we don't tend to think about our overall survival on a daily basis, but that target still sits there. It's now defined by the amount of information we absorb. We all live in a society where we are obese with knowledge. (laughs) And that presents its own set of challenges because that target that sits within us that we're not necessarily aware of drives our actions and decisions. And in that world where you had a saber-toothed tiger on one side and a lovely tree fragrant with blossom on the other, any human being who walked out and said, ooh, that smells lovely, was very quickly eaten (laughs) and didn't reproduce and didn't lead to an evolution of us who actually were perceptive of the beauty of the world around us necessarily. Um, So coming back all the way back to today, that does leave us with a challenge where we are still and have all that ancient wisdom of surviving where you had to get out quickly. And that quite often was one pathway, escape or you're eaten. And we still live in that world today where we don't have the immediate threat, but we still have the one pathway. And we still have a lot of escaping in our world. Yeah. And and our job is actually to not escape, but to embrace. Yeah. And And I want to push, I want to like the narrative you're telling, the historical narrative is uh, is both true and incomplete. And I want to attempt very humbly to see if we can also add in a layer of complexity here, which is that in, in archeological records, we have evidence of human beings who both, both kind of our homo sapien ancestors and also Neanderthal and homo erectus, which sort of both coexisted and predated homo sapiens. But we have evidence of um, humans who were disabled by, for instance, a giant saber tooth tiger bite, but not killed. Mm-hmm. And in a purely survival oriented reality, you would go, this person is now a burden. Goodbye. And that probably happened in some, in some groups mm-hmm. of people, but there's evidence of, of, um, people living quite a long time in the wake of a terrible crippling accident 
in, in these sort of times before what we call civilization. So people were also already wired to survive and also wired to take care of each other and wired to be present to the, the beauty and importance of having family and having neighbors and, um, because they didn't have jobs like we did, they also actually, there seems to be evidence that they had a lot more time, you know, once survival, okay, we did the hunt, we're somewhere safe. There's enough of us that even if a saber toothed tiger showed up, like we'd be ready and we could handle it. Let's make art. Let's sing songs. Let's, let's look at the stars and wonder. So it's a both end. It's like both we have an, had an intense survival pressure that shaped us and we lived in a world where some of these other things that I think are, are innate potential gifts were actually allowed to flourish. And there's something about this moment where, where if we keep playing out your working theory that survival pressures have driven us to a society where we're rife with escapism because escape was a way to survive. And we're, 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 in these high pressure jobs to like make enough money just to make ends meet again and again, we've somehow along the way lost or gotten, we've, we've lost that connection to the truth that it's, it's a both end as opposed to an either or. And it's right now, it's just like, you have to survive. You have to contribute. And if you have a lot of comfort, you'll be okay. But you'd see people who have a lot of comfort and they're miserable. So there's something else happening here. And, uh, I wonder, yeah, Robert, I see you trying to like jump in. What's sparking? <laughs> what, what's kind of jumping here for me is this idea of, of tribes and collectives and, and groups. And I think part of what was happening happened in the past was we created these groups and went, how do we do this together? How do we survive? How do we grow? How do we dance? How do we sing? How do we, uh, continue to, to expand as a, as a community, as a group. And it's something that we did once upon a time, and it's something that I think we are doing again now, where I look at how I'm working and how a lot of people that are working are going, right, how do we collaborate? How, how do we do this together so we share what's going on and we support each other in this journey? And I think that we also do it unconsciously, because we go, what football team do you support? Mm. Or um, what dance club do you go to? Or what food are you into? And we create these little collectives. And I think that's our primeval, if that's the right words, stuff going, how do we bandy together? Where do we bandy yeah. together? What's the yeah. thing that joins us mm. together? Mm. Um Whilst at the same time, our civilization has created this thing around how do you do you, just you? How do you yeah. survive? Or how does your tiny tribe survive? So I think that's where the, the kind of and that you're talking about there, Andy, is this. We've got both of these things inside of us of go hunt or be hunted. Go be part of a collective. Mm. And I think that's that's part of what. What or happens, be alone. I think, <laughs> right? Be like alone. hunt or be yeah. hunted, connect or, or, or disconnect. Connect yeah. or be and alone. I, I think that, because you know, one of the things that was really interesting, I, I found the other, the other day was people that would 
really enjoyed um, being on their own uh, and disconnected from the world during the pandemic were talking to others that were disconnected <laughs> from the world in the pandemic. So it's like all these disconnected people had their own community of disconnection that they talked about. Yeah, they're actually like, finding they're finding their people again. There's some yeah. there's some life force. There's some drive that even even when highly intense divisions come in, like an enforced physical lockdown, if the tech if there's some if the infrastructures there to support it are, we find a way to find our yeah. people. Yeah, mm. and I I remember somebody once saying to me, uh, as a business person, they were saying, you know, I'm a lone wolf. I just want to do this on my own. And I was like, cool, okay, I, I get that. You know, that's that's your way. And then realizing that they were in a club of lone wolves. <laughs> And it's like, this, this is interesting, isn't it? That we, we talk about this, doing it on your own, being isolated, going for it. But those people are also in their own collectives and they might not see those collectives. A bit like what, what Lee was saying earlier about that kind of, that, that uh, almost uh, willful blindness. We don't necessarily see it because we don't have a Pascal who's way out here yeah. looking, going, hey guys, have you noticed what you're doing there? Yeah. That comes back to the point that I was actually going to make after after what you said, Andy. So I, I did, do definitely agree on that point of, you know, as, as a species, we came together. There are there's evidence that the, the differing species of human came together. Yes. But there's yes. also the reality that we are now the only remaining species yes. Yes. and what a planet it would be if that wasn't the case. Mm. But mm. I think we've only had 50 years of promoted individualism realistically and that has been of you know in many ways a detriment to us mm. as a species mm. and yet there is no pockets who are stepping out of that conformity of you know societal individualism to really you know create collectives and if we think about that wider perspective of feeling fragile if you only have one pathway towards where you want to travel mm having a collective opens up different mm. pathways to mm. get to potentially the same destination. Yeah. And they can provide both an element of compass. They can provide, have you considered this other pathway, slightly less trodden, but mm. it will still get you close towards where you want to go. And quite often human beings don't really know where they want to go, <laughs> yeah. but just having a direction like Robert alluded to earlier, and being able to travel in that direction with a level of healthy resistance and conflict that continues to help us to grow and develop, mm. challenges us in different ways, mm. but allows us to embrace the variety and you know the, the colourfulness of people because there's a vibrance to travelling that... Yeah. You know, if you go and embed yourself for just a short period in different cultures, different ways of living, the value that that adds to us, the layers that that builds, and ultimately we are surrounded by people. And if we embrace that rather than escape, it gives us an opportunity to really live life in colour in a world that sometimes tries to get you to live in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I, I'm in touch with a really exciting paradox. Like there, I think it comes from Ubuntu philosophy, which is, you know, like essentially the idea is we create 
each other. We create each other. And the paradox I'm in touch with is that we are, the three of us are simultaneously speaking about people who seem to have uh, stepped into something that's, that's theirs. That's like, that's them. Whoa. And if we look closer or perhaps if we look further out, if we get up into the, the Pascal chair, the balcony, the lifeguard chair, we see that the, that, that person who they're becoming is in relationship to who they are uh, part of and where they have come from. And the kind of cool and exciting thing is that if we start to push on this narrative, like, hey, everyone, nature, red in tooth and claw, survival of the fittest, every person for themselves kind of story that is baked into much of our, our dominant culture, we start to see that we actually can become more of ourselves by embracing this beautiful, vibrant life that we all have in us. Robert, you're like, you're like dancing in your chair, man. I want to, what's happening for you? Because so there's something here for me about, you know, that really echoes that. It's this idea that, you know, that the three of us are striving out into the world, doing our thing, right? You know, we're really owning it. This is what I do. This is my thing. And I'm out there and I'm doing it. And at the same time, we're going, let's do stuff together. Let's connect. <laughs> let's join. Right now, I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, because, you know, I, I'm on a real journey with my whole fan the flames thing right now. But it also comes, you know, the name comes from a conversation that Andy and I had yeah. that was about, you know, what, how am I going to move forward in the world? It's like, hey, there's this thing. And now this little, the, the flame is it's this roaring thing. It's like, wow, okay, let's really go with that. And that, that came about because we were strong in what we do individually, but we're also humble enough to come together and do something and support and grow and then go and be strong and then come back. Mm. And there's something in mm. this for me of this, and maybe it's about balance. Uh, maybe that's the, the, the thing of being able to be a strong, powerful individual and the strong, powerful collective. Mm. So to be able mm. to play to dive in and out of both of those ways of being and and be in touch with our ego in that. So, you know, we go, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm the big I am. And I go, oh, wait a minute. No, I'm not. I'm me in relation to all of these people. And the better I get at being me, the better I can connect with them, the better they can be at them and the more, the further we can grow. And we can come together as a tribe and do something, create something, a movement perhaps, and then splinter off and do something else and then come back together yeah. again. Yeah, we might almost say that the strongest collective is a collective that amplifies the strength of every individual. Because mm. mm. yeah. there's a great book called uh, Multipliers that talks about, you know, do you multiply the power of those that work with you or do you diminish it? Mm. 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 Yeah, it brings me back, Andy, to our first episode together where we discussed the statue. Yes. The continual chiseling with fine tools to yeah. gradually define who you are. But this past 18 months since that episode, that's evolved in my own mind because we learn how to gradually tool ourselves and we're an ever-present, everlasting statue to try. And until our dying day, we will be continuing to add those fine details. Yeah. Yeah. But something has opened up for me and it's that 
the finest statues from the very inception are actually chiselled by trusted others who are collaborated with. They also mm. take those fine tools. They mm. also etch markings mm. on you. They also help you find those little grooves in yourself. Mm. And mm. it's easy to fall into the, I will spend my whole life chiselling away at myself, finding those little bits. But actually, when we trust others to come in and be part of that process, they learn about your statue and you learn about the people around you. And it's yeah. that ability to look at how we are shaped yeah. and finding ways to choose empowered shapers to yeah. go on that journey with us. Yeah, and, and, and like our culture, that you were talking about this earlier, Robert, you see, see someone who you're like, wow, they just like became a success overnight and they're this big individual personality. But, you know, open the back of any book, which of course has one name on the, you know, by this person. And there are two or three pages of acknowledgements of people. Go to any artist who works on a scale like larger than maybe a canvas or, you know, something sort of one person sized. And there's more than one person. Uh, there's one of my favorite artists, Andy Goldsworthy, who uh, is from from the London area and lives in Scotland now. He does incredible works with stone and granite, these like materials that will last for centuries and sculpts them into shapes uh, that are seem almost impossible. But actually, he doesn't do that alone. He works with an incredible team of artisans and craftspeople who have devoted their lives to masonry or stone carving or what have you. So even though Andy gets all the credit and he's very generous about making sure that that's, you know, that people see it's not just him. Uh, there's, there's this relationship happening where he's, he's telling this person, you are a master at your craft. And I want you to use this vehicle of my artistic idea to eat, to even become more of a master at your craft. And at the same time, with your mastery, you're helping me see possibilities for my art that I, even if I could see them, there's no way I could do them. And now that I'm doing them, I can see even more possibilities because you can do things that I just simply can't do. So this kind of story of the individual sort of lone hero is totally bogus, you know? And, yeah. and Lee, what you're talking about is this sort of way in which we can bring that philosophy into our life journey to kind of really consciously uh, be aware that, yeah, we have agency over who we become. And perhaps the, one of the most powerful uses of that agency is to uh, find ways to be around other people who are also on their journey, who can, we can help shape and mold each other. Yeah, because if we focus on continually shaping ourselves, we rob other people of the gift of help it, using those tools to also shape them a little. Yeah. Um, statues take a long time <laughs> and we, we need that support. We need the learnings of other people. But what I've realized is actually that statue is secondary. Mm. We need to hone those skills so we can use those skills to build bridges. Mm. 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 Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, Robert, go ahead. Because it, it, it reminds me of, of theatre especially when you're creating theatre without a script or even with a script and you're, you're, you're adapting. It's like 
all these people come in with these amazing skills that they hone and they work at. And then they come together to create something that is bigger and beyond them that they can't do on their own. They need that collective to come and make that happen. And then they need the space to make it happen. They need those that create that space to make it happen. And then they need the audience to come and see it and experience it and interact with it to make it happen. And it's like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but there's just something in what was said that just made me go. It's just how we become collectives in what we do and how our craft, our art supports other people's crafts and their art. And it's all just kind of building and layering on top of each other. Yeah, there's there's something felt visceral. There's something that's hard to put into words, but when you step into a space with people who are alive and energized, they may not all agree. There may be tension and conflict. You're Lee, I think, alluding earlier to that's actually part of the work, the product productivity mm. of conflicts. If everything was smooth and happy and easy, we wouldn't kind of get that jolt. But when the jolt's there, if you walk into a room of people like that, you just, you can feel it right away. And that magic is something that doesn't exist in any one of those people. Even if they all have their individual magic, that's beautiful. There's something that emerges or, or dials in or syncs up when a collective is humming and vibrating and dancing yeah. and playing. Yeah. The strongest collectives for me, Andy, are ones that take all those disparate ideas, smash them into pieces, <laughs> and then recombine them together again. Mm. Mm. And that requires uh, the heroic humility that Robert was speaking to yeah. earlier. Like, if you've devoted your life to your craft, you could come in being very precious about, like, you know, this is how, this is, this is my, my <laughs> gift. And sometimes someone is so gifted that, that, that you can sort of orient towards their gift and support it and amplify it. And that has a certain kind of magic, you know, like Michelangelo sculpting mm. something. But, but the collective we're talking about is someone who says like, these are my gifts. I don't know what I don't know, but I'm here. And then you, you smack you, they crash into someone else with their gifts and, and there's, there's like joy and anger and, and fun and, and that sort of um, willingness as an individual to show up both fully in your mm. gifts and also fully unattached to how you should use those gifts, but rather I'm here in service of what we can create, mm. which is what you're doing every time you get on stage, Lee, when you say like, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about menopause. And I was like, what? Like, why is this young, why is this young black dude talking about menopause? And you go, well, listen, listen, and you'll find out why I'm talking about it. And you'll maybe even find out why you should be listening to it because I have certain gifts and I'm going to bring them in service of something I see that's producing suffering. And, uh, and the women and men and people of every identity around me, if we're not willing to talk about it in our organizational mm. contexts. Mm. It comes down to that smashing, smashing things, Andy. We, 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 we live in a world where we don't want to, are very precious about those ideas and concepts that we don't want to smash. And I yet think back, you know, to Greeks who like to smash plates. <laughs> Just imagine the mosaic you can build from many people's smash plates. Mm. It will be so much mm. more amazing than if we all held 
our own plate asking mm. for the food of life. Mm. Uh, you, know, this, mm. you know, this is where great projects come from, right? When people come together and they go, All right, I'm going to do a bit of this and you do a bit of what you do and then we'll bring somebody else in does a bit of what they do and they do a bit of this and all of a sudden you've got this kaleidoscope of greatness where people have kind of brought their energies to something and allowed those energies to, to cross and to feed into and off of each other to create something else. Mm. Yes. And, and and I think there's the, you know, for me, there's a magic in let's come together and create something else that is, uh, that is, that is us has our influence, but it's not us. It's, it's the, the, the combination of us that creates something that that's further beyond us. And when we, when we do that, I think that's, you know, we find those moments of magic where we meet people or collectors where we go, oh, when we do, when we come together, we create magic, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then it's, mm. and it's going, you know, what, what are the ingredients that we have that make that happen? And, and I love it when I see people that just continually go, right, done this with you, we created magic, brilliant. I'm going to go somewhere else and create magic. I'm going to go somewhere else and create magic. As opposed to, oh, we create magic, right, let's only do it here and not let anybody else into the magic because we don't want to, it's like they found the magic and then they lost, they lost something. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So and what's uh Oh, go ahead, Lee. Yeah. Go ahead. Lee, you go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. So I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking that with, with some of my work, obviously being organizational focused, and I'm sure you see this as well, Andy, is that that ability to bring teams together we still sometimes I get stuck in this world of individual performance. So if we put all our top performers together, wow, what a team they will make. And yet, are those top performers willing to smash those plates? Mm. Are those top performers... Because mm. I find that we sometimes get stuck in this idea that a collective intelligence is about knowledge. But actually, a big part of collective intelligence is a difference, the difference mm. between the people mm. and the willingness mm. to smash those plates and mm. to, to, to smash what they know and then recombine as a team. And when you do that, it just, it just creates such richness. But that's why diverse thinking is so important. It's that difference that is really the cement that sticks mm. that mosaic together. Mm. Mm. What's, a, what's a plate that needs smashing right now? Maybe it's between the three of us. Maybe it's in your work or your life. Where are you in touch? If you're really honest with yourself, if we're really honest with ourselves, where are you, where are you in touch with a place in this moment or in your wider world where we might need to smash some more plates? And I'll let that land. Take, take your time. Um, rush. Lee's what, ready. What bubbled like, up for me straight away yeah. was the idea of the plate of finding your purpose. Mm. Like you find it by reading books and doing self-help. And again, it's all back into self and self and self. And sometimes you need to be around people. They don't smash plates in on their own. So it's, it's a joint collective. You need to bring people around you to find your purpose. You need to dissect adversity. You need to, you know, connect to yourself emotionally. And you don't really find it. It's like we said, 
we, we, we chisel it and cultivate it and grow a purpose. We don't, we don't find it like it's some abstract thing we're looking for. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, in the world I find a lot of people expressing this desire to really create that plug, find that plug that they've been looking for. But actually, there's an element there where you don't just search your own property to find that plug because you'll not find the answers. It requires you to travel. It requires you to go on those pathways. It requires you to bring people with you. Mm. It requires you sometimes to allow people to chisel you too. Mm. Um, And that wider piece about finding, well, we spend all our lives searching outside of us for answers. There are blueprints within us, but we do need people around us to access those as well. Mm. And it's, again, that lovely kind of paradox between the collective and the individual. Mm. And ultimately when Robert speaks about flames and we spoke about the candle, Mm. Mm. the collective fire is fueled by the wind, by the adversity, but the individual candle can be so easily blown out. Mm. Mm. Thanks Lee. Robert, what came up for you when I asked the question about what plates need smashing right now? Oh my gosh, how many plates are there? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, so I I think the plate, I'm not sure I can explain this clearly or succinctly. So my plate got smashed recently. I was in an organization the organization and I are no longer working together. And, and it felt like somebody came along and smashed my plate. And in that plate smashing, what I realized was there I was on my hero's journey, on my hero's quest. And I'd stopped in a town and stayed there. And I thought I was questing still. Mm. Actually, I was just, I just stayed in this town. And then my world changed and I realized in that change, in that smashing, that I, I was in a town and actually I hadn't completed my quest. And so now I'm in this new space and I'm doing different things. I'm also re-finding my quest and myself and my passions and desires and wants and needs. Mm. And, mm. and wow, actually I let something go by stopping in the town I think so so when I think about that I go it's maybe the place that needs smashing are these plates that are about having arrived you haven't arrived Mm. you've just stopped Mm. in a town Mm. move move on to the next town don't don't stay where you are and and I think I think that's it I think that's it's like you know a bit like what we said you know take another step you know begin another journey uh, begin another quest because you've just stayed here too long. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm in touch with, I, I've probably told this uh, on record before, but I'm in touch with the moment where I was also in a job and I was starting to realize that I wanted to enter this world of human development more fully. And I actually wrote a job description and pitched it to the CEO of the organization who um, sort of politely 
didn't say yes or no, but then kind of kicked it to some other folks who, who politely said no. And, and there's a way in which, uh, at the moment that was scary, but it was also the same kind of gift of going, Mm. uh, and, and one of the plates that got smashed for me at that, that moment was this sort of, what was it? You should always, Andy, you should always know where your income is coming from every month. You just should. And um, when they said no, I, w- I had a really tough moment where now, my, now I had revealed my hand. And I said, <laughs> I don't want to do what I'm doing. I want to do this. And they said no. And now it was like, well, I can't keep doing what I'm doing because they know I don't want to do it. And uh, that, had I, had I not been willing to just in, sort of smash that plate of like, okay, well, I need a monthly income, so don't say anything. And just, <laughs> I'd still be stuck there. I'd still be mm. stuck in that town. And at mm. some point, either someone, either you or someone is going to come along and say, it's time to leave town, at least for a while. Mm. Mm. Doesn't mean you can't come back in some way, shape, or form, but it's time to leave town. So that kind of smashing of the safety of of the town so that I had no choice but to go out into the wilderness, the relative wilderness, a privileged wilderness with some savings behind me. And, and I want to acknowledge all that, but like, Nonetheless, there's a bit of that like smashing of the of the town of the stability as always the safest best place to be when often it can be a source of suffering and uh, constraint and unhappiness and limitation. Yeah. I, I sort of Robert was have... discussing that. I just it just took me to a place of imagining Robert in the tavern for a bit too long and <laughs> almost his collective coming saying Robert. It's time to move on, sir. Come on. <laughs> Let's leave the tavern now before we get thrown out. And lots of people spend a lot of time stuck in the tavern, reflecting on what journey they might embark on next. And it goes all the way back to the start of the discussion. I used sat with a map thinking, ooh, where might I go? Until the point where life chucks you out of the tavern and you have no choice but to then set off on the next part of your journey. Mm. Mm. absolutely mm. absolutely mm. also reminds me of the you know in those westerns where there's an old timer that's always been there and nobody knows where they came from or what happened to them they're just there and they might have a little job or not even and you you know we see these old timers as we go through the different towns we meet them right. and sometimes we say come with us come with us and they're like no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stay here and for some people, you know, right, building your town, building your little, uh, I don't know, your whatever, it is, your tavern in that town, that's great. And that's what you're there for. And that's that's your thing. So don't get confused, this idea that you have to keep moving and, and keep traveling, because right. sometimes yeah. your thing is to build the tavern so that people can pass through and rest and move on. That's mm, your thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. And that old timer has the wisdom of everyone who has passed through mm, to then be able to share. 
Oh, so then the paradox becomes, you know, how do you be, how do you be the old timer? How do you be the person that builds the tablet? And how do you be the person that moves yes, on? Yes, because we yes, have yes. we have an ability to be the old timer who learns from others, <laughs> or to be the mover who at one point ends up being an old timer who shares that as a gem. Oh. I think that's the plate worth smashing. Is actually the the plate that says we are one thing or we must become one thing. And when yeah, we figure yeah. out what that one thing is, then, then, oh, we can relax. Yeah. But actually, the smash that plate. You are, you can be the old timer and the journeyman. Yeah. You can be the, the, the tavern keeper and the traveler. Yeah. And life is at different times and in different places is going to ask of you to be more than one thing. And if you're in a group that can hold you as a, a multi-dimensional living process, as opposed to Robert, you do this, Lee, you do that, Andy, you do that, always and forever, forever, amen, then you're in a an awesome collective. Yeah. That's when you're yeah. in a, a place of health. Yeah. yeah. I used to say that, that I didn't. I used to say I still say it, but the, the idea that this the hero's journey is we think we're one singular person moving on the journey, but I think the fragments of our parts and our lives are all in different places on that journey at the same time. So it's not a singular pathway that we're moving through. It's this complex, multi-universal, holographic pathway that we're moving through. Yeah, yeah, and I think even the kind of narrow that to a sliver Robert and back to Andy's point you can be the incessant traveler who never engages with a person on that journey and you will leave no fragment you could be the old timer who never converses with those who pass through and you will leave no fragment Mm. but if you are the old timer who listens who engages who collaborates you will have stories of every traveler, even though you have not traveled yourself. Mm. And you mm. can be the traveler who, at every stop on that journey, listens to the old timer stories and takes those fragments to the <gasps> next tavern. So it's- we, it's not whether you are an old timer or a journeyman traveler. It's do you connect with others and leave fragments of legacy wherever you are continually moving or very rooted in a certain place and you know what there's a lot of people in this world who are you know busy traveling 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 and never taking those stories passing them on leaving those fragments and there are some people who just exist in one place and never open themselves up to the wonderful world of people around them coming through passing and sharing because it's stories it's those stories that are the fragments that build you know the world that we live in everything is a story Mm. Mm. because it's not it's not the physical action of travel it's the emotional action of travel Mm. Mm. it's it's it's, you know we we get caught in this idea that to travel is to move but there is moving our mind there's moving our mouth there's moving our heart there's, there's so many, and that's where it comes back to that whole diversity piece of there are so many different ways of being the traveller. 
So, you know, when you think of the traveller, smash that plate too. Mm. Because there were so many ways of doing it. Mm. 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 Oh, gentlemen. You know, there's always a, always a moment when I'm hosting these conversations where about 35 or 40 minutes in, I kind of, part of me glances at the clock and goes like, wow, we still have a lot of time left. I, I hope this go. I still hope we can keep this energy going. And then there's always a moment where I look at the clock and go, oh shit, we have like five minutes left <laughs> and we've just begun. <laughs> so I want to honor that. And, and uh, what I'm in touch with right now, Robert, is, is your beautiful, this beautiful phrase, like the emotional travel, the emotional journey that I've been on has been one of um, real joy and depth and provocation with each of you. And I'm really, really honored that each of you have agreed to show up here and leave some fragments for me and for each other and for whoever might hear this. And I want to invite you, if you have anything that you'd like to share by way of closing, with with trust and faith that we will meet again in whatever ways we'll meet again, but but that this particular constellation of travelers arriving in this particular tavern at this particular moment is about to part ways in a few minutes. And I wonder if there's something you'd want to read or share by way of closing this, this meeting. Yeah. That, it, it, there's something that kind of, uh, I posted it this morning. It's just this thought that, that it came from a collective that I'm, I'm doing some work with where I'm a participant. I'm not holding the space. I'm in the space. I, I, you know, I love being able to do that and and, and, and you know, having that that time and the privilege to to be both the the student and the, and the teacher. And and they were talking about magic. Uh, and this 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 these words just came to me that we, we often spend time looking outside ourselves for the solution, for the answer, or for that little bit of magic that moves us forward, onwards and upwards, forgetting that we already have it within us, the answer, the solution, the magic. You are the magic. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Yeah. And mine has just bubbled up as we've just been speaking. Today, Andy, you are our tavern keeper. (laughs) And only a few weeks ago, we were together physically travelled, And today we are together, energetically travelled. But ultimately, this idea of the traveller being a one-dimensional aspect, we are not travelling clones, we are travelling rebels, all different (laughs) in our own beautiful way. Mm, mm, mm. Love that, man, I love that! (laughs) So beautiful. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Robert. I actually want to... Uh, invoke my tavern keeper's privileges to read a poem that I'm in touch with that feels to me, it's by David White. It's called Mamain. It was written um, when his friend and another amazing poet and thinker, John O'Donohue passed away. And it seems to me to put its finger on the paradox that we've been holding around what it is to be fully ourselves and also what it is to give ourselves into or lose ourselves into something greater than ourselves, a collective life, the universe. And it's called Mamain. Be infinitesimal under that sky. Be infinitesimal under that sky. 
a creature even the sailing hawk misses, a wraith among the rocks where the mist parts slowly. Recall the way mere mortals are overwhelmed by circumstance, how great reputations dissolve with infirmity, and how you, in particular, stand a hair's breadth from losing everyone you hold dear. Then, then, look back down the path to the north, the way you came, as if seeing your entire past, and then south over the hazy blue coast, as if present to a broad future. Recall the way you are all possibilities you can see. You are all possibilities you can see. And how you live best as an appreciator of horizons, whether you reach them or not. Admit that once you have got up from your chair and opened the door, once you have walked out into the clean air toward that edge and taken the path up high, beyond the ordinary, admit that you have become the privileged and the pilgrim, the one who will tell the story, and the one who, coming back from the mountain, helped to make it. So thank you, Lee. Thank you, Robert, for being ones who have helped both tell this story today and to make it. Thank you for helping all of us, all of the people that you touch, myself included, be the appreciator of horizons, whether we reach them or not, and all the possibilities that we might live in our life while we have it here. I really, really am touched by you both. Thank you. Thank you both. Big love. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Go well and go bravely out there. Thanks for tuning in to The Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Sirqua, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find The Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever. <laughs>